0: I'm about to talk about is called The Shared Life this morning. It's very similar to what Chad's been talking about for the last, I don't know, three years. And it's really good because there's one thing that, there's one thing that is really misunderstood in the kingdom world is the Holy Spirit. Many people don't understand what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is or do we need a Holy Spirit, which is kind of ludicrous because the Bible talks about it. A lot about it, reveals a lot to say about the Holy Spirit. It says that in the day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. What's really interesting about the shared life is that when we come to that point with the Lord, and it's our day to meet him face to face, It's not going to matter one iota if you cast out devils in his name, if you prophesied in his name, if you healed the sick, or you got all static over, you know, things that pertaining had nothing to do with scripture whatsoever, which you thought maybe did. It's not going to amount to a hill of beans because what's going to happen when it says in Matthew 7.21, he's going to say, I never knew you. Because it's about a shared life, a relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's not going to matter. In fact, without really going into it, modern day prophecy is not what people think it is. If you do a deep study and dive into what a prophet is in our day and age, it has nothing to do with the Old Testament. Why? Because Jesus is the fulfillment of it. He's the fulfillment of prophecy. And all you have to do is just read it. And everything that's in there will tell you exactly what he means by that. The reason why I'm, I'm talking about the shared life is because this book right here, sorry, this thing's ridiculous, is the prophetic oracles of Jesus. You want to prophesy in Christ's name? Open the book. Open the book, read it, see what it says. When you go pray over somebody, it's not I have a prophetic word, it's I have a prophetic word out of the word. There's nothing new under the canon. The canon's closed. But there is such a thing as having maybe a word of knowledge over people, encouraging them. But the more important aspect of our Christian walk is who we know. Not what you did, it's who we know. This quote right here is exactly what I'm talking about. To speak the name of Jesus Christ biblically in the tradition of the apostles and the early church is to say, Father's eternal Son, and it is to say, the one anointed in the Holy Spirit, and it is to say, the creator and sustainer of all things, incarnate, crucified, resurrected, ascended, Thus, to speak the name of Jesus Christ is to say the blessed trinity and fallen humanity and broken creation are not separated, but together in relationship. Jesus himself is the relationship. When we commit our heart to the Lord, we're committing our heart to a divine relationship that's already going on past, present, future, without beginning, without end. We're being caught up into that shared relationship. That's why when we get together and we have a Sunday morning, you know, we'll do a a song or two, and then someone will pray, you know, hey, Lord, come, we just ask your presence to come, and then it's like, as Bernie would say, you know the drill, and then you just go and, you know, start meeting one another, because this is a perfect picture of the relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful analogy. And then it says that the church which takes her eyes off Jesus Christ, the only mediator of worship, is on the road to becoming an apostate. There's no more urgent need in our churches today than to recover the Trinitarian nature of Christ, grace. That is, by grace alone, through the gift of Jesus Christ in the Spirit, that we can enter into and live a life of communion with God our Father. Why? Because there is only one offering— which is truly acceptable to God. And guess what? It's not ours. Think about this statement. It's not ours. We're drawn in by grace into a divine relationship. Therefore, it becomes ours because we're drawn into the the ours that's already existing. The God we worship is a Trinitarian God. We know no other God than the one revealed in Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The truth of the Trinity is priceless and incomparable. It has been called the ideas of ideas. It is the great truth in which are are contained all the treasures of possible knowledge. It is a teaching about God's life in our life and in him that explores worship, relationship, personhood, and community in light of the revelation in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's Jesus is the centrality of relationship. I am changing this out. I don't have a problem with this. I have small ears, I told you. That's probably why I can't hear, huh? That's a good one. Check. check okay I I don't have any problem holding the microphone and you know the interesting thing about the shared life and and the whole concept of the trinity is John Wesley said that bring me a worm that comprehend a man and then I will show you a man that can comprehend the triune God it's an amazing mystery and yet it's in the canons and yet trinity is not mentioned in the canon Chad, last week, spoke out of Ephesians. And in, those, in Ephesians 1, those, that chapter lists God the Father, then it was Jesus Christ, then it was the Holy Spirit. And what was the reason behind all that? For the glory and the praise of the Father, so that when we come together, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit sweep us up into this eternal relationship so that when we lift our voices whether it be on a Sunday morning or whatever you're doing, giving praise to God, we're swept up into something that already exists and is going on eternally. Follow? A little bit? How does God reveal himself? How how do we define Trinity? Think about that. Some people have all kinds of interesting things to describe the Trinity. One guy said one plus one plus one makes three. Well, it's missing something. We're not talking about three gods. We're talking about one God. But then you can look at it this way. One times one times one makes one. Yet three distinctions. How does, he reveal, how does God reveal himself to us in this, in this realm? What if you heard an audible voice this morning? What if he spoke to you out of God's word? What if you had a word for somebody? I had a word for somebody last week. I didn't wake up. Thinking, how can I have a word for somebody? I just showed up and the Lord gave me a word. But it was a prophetic word over this person. Because it was that of the word of God. Had nothing to do with me. Had everything to do with the canon. And I believe with all my heart, soul, and mind, this is one doctrine we got to get a hold of. Because Athanasius said, the saved are those who hold to Trinity, one of the Church Fathers. And one of the best ways to understand what Trinitarian is, Chad's been talking about the zest of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit glorifies the Son, the Son glorifies the Father, but it's really, uh, it's interchangeable. The Son glorifies the Father, the Father glorifies the Spirit, the Spirit glorifies. It can go in reverse, can go in any order, really. Because where there's one, there's two others. So when we worship, when the Word is being preached through the Holy Spirit, well, guess what, there's two others. Not just one. Just like there's just not one person in here. But if you look around the room right now, you can look around the room right now, and you look at everybody... You see a multi- multiple amount of people here, correct? And yet we're all here for one purpose, are we not? That's what a divine relationship looks like. Even though maybe sometimes you feel like, yeek. You know, we've all been in that place. So one of the ways God reveals himself that is just really uh, interesting. If you open the John, open your Bible to John 1 or your phones, or your tablets, or whatever you have. Because at the beginning it says, in that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you and me, and I in you. is a Trinitarian statement in itself. But in John's gospel, is amazing gospel, especially at the beginning of it, because in the beginning of, of John's gospel, he is echoing Genesis chapter 1. In fact, he's he's echoing the entire book of Genesis. He's echoing uh, the time of Moses in the desert and the giving of the law and the temple and the the presence and the worship and all the things that are connected to God when, when Israel came out of Egypt. John is echoing all this. And in the echo of all this is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One person said that we could be monotheistic in nature. In other words, we just believe in one, one God. And his, his statement's kind of extreme, but it's true. But he says, it could be taken away from us, and we never even know the difference. Why? Because of misunderstanding what, what it means to be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and yet be one. And there's power in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Church? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is great power. In John 1.1, it says, In the beginning was a word. And in Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Here locates Jesus' existence in eternity with the past. The term word conveys a notion of divine self-expression and speech. In other words, he just didn't come along and was born existed eternity past eternity now eternity future think about uh the christmas story charles dickens you know that one kind of like that kind of a rough of course jesus wouldn't that mean You know, it, it, it just gives self-expression and speech to rich Old Testament background, like I said. It says, and the word was with God. It indicates the interpersonal relationship or in company with. So we're talking two people. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. God is another way uh, of translating Elohim, which, speaking of two different things here. It's It's astounding. Because we think we just kind of walk into this building and we just have a, a good time with the Lord when actually you're engaged by three, yet one God. One God, three distinct people, persons. And Chad has been preaching on that for the last 14 weeks or so. You know, in, in, in Colossians 1.15, it says, In him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory as the only son from the father, full of truth and grace. John 1.14 says that, and then it says, That which is eternal has always been eternal, came to earth, took up residency in human flesh. In other words, the relational community of the Trinity came to earth in the incarnate son. And guess what? Became fully human, fully earthed into the darkness of our Adam. Think about this. He took up residency in the old man, the old nature, Adam. It says that he came and he pitched his tent. Remember the Old Testament language of God in the wilderness where they built the tabernacle on the tent. He's using the same expression here, but in this sense, Jesus is the fulfillment of that. So what happens? Has anyone ever been camping? Oh, look at all this. They got happy campers, don't they? (laughs) Right? When you show up to the campground and there's usually nothing there, right? And if you see a table, it usually has leftover crumbs from the other 100 people that have been there. You know what I'm saying? You show up and there's, there's nothing there, correct? Except maybe a table, a fireplace. Think of it in this ways. You bring all your stuff to that campground, and you occupy that space. That's what Jesus does in us. He takes the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and he occupies the space of our heart, and he takes up residency in our fallen nature and draws us into the perfect relationship. That's an amen and hallelujah. Not that I'm looking for it. You follow so far a little bit here? Yeah. So what then is the purpose of the Trinity? Is it just to say, you know, like, yeah, I have an amazing God. He's so amazing. He's also three distinct persons. There's no other religion in the world that's like our God. No other religion. So that when the word of God is read, The power of God is moving powerfully because in it, in the word of God, each person is turning where that word goes. So when the father speaks, it's as if the the son speaks. And when the son speaks, it's as if the Holy Spirit speaks. And when the Holy Spirit speaks, it's as if all two are speaking the same language, which they are. No other places in the teaching of Jesus are we provided with such a clear window into the divine relationship. From John's prologue to the end, we can see a clear description. When one speaks, it can be said that all three are speaking in unison, as I just said. The Son totally dwells in the Father. The Father totally dwells in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit totally dwells in the Father and the Son. Yeah? Listen to some, I just wrote down a few quotes of people that comment on this. All three persons occupy the same divine space. Unceasing circulation of divine essence. The inner communion of the persons is reciprocal, and their operations are inseparable. Each are in each, and all in each, and each in all, and all are one. This one might poke us. Might sting a little. We cannot see God without seeing all three at the same time. Gives a little bit a, a different perspective when you open up the scriptures and start reading them and studying them out yourself. You say, wow, it's just not one, there's two. Wait a minute, there's three. And the, the power of the one And the three functions of the one is no greater power on this planet. Nothing else rivals it. Who can know the truth without the help of God? Who can know God without Christ? Who has ever discovered Christ without the Holy Spirit? That was Tertullian. Impossible. Every act of God, therefore, is a Trinitarian act arising out of and involving the relationship, the indivisible oneness of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Those are just some of the quotes from, from some of the church historians over over the you know the eons, when they try to wrestle how to explain something so beyond human comprehension like I said John Wesley said show me a worm that understands man I'll show you a man that understands the Trinity I mean I've been studying this stuff out probably for the better part of the last 15 years and the more I study the more I feel stupid (laughs) because it's like ah okay I can't understand I can't grasp this Lord but there's also there there is also a doctrine believe it or not you know we have doctrines of justification sanctification salvation glorification there's also a dark a dark a doctrine of the Trinity that was came about back in 650 AD that was a little bit long time ago and it's called the doctrine of perichoresis has anyone ever heard this term You're about to hear this term. It's an interesting term. And this was founded by John of Damascus. He said that it's the mutual indwelling, or better, mutual interpenetration, refers to the understanding of both the Trinity and Christology, the central figure. In the perichuris, each person has being without polis. In other words, The divine modes of being mutually condition and permeate one another so completely that one is always in the other two. So what happens is when we come together and there's inner penetration that's going on between the three of them, yet one, you, 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 and you, and you, and me, and everybody else are caught up into that penetration of the shared life. We're just not people walking on the earth enjoying a good time. We're caught up in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's power and release in this. It's not going to be based, like I said at the beginning, on who you prophesy it over, who you cast out demons. It's going to be, as John, it says in John 17, 3, this is eternal life that you may know him. It's about relationships. And even Paul speaks about that in Philippians 3.10. He says, I want to know the power of Christ and his resurrection. I want to know him. That's been my goal. My entire walk with God, I want to know Christ. Lori and I were talking in in the entryway yesterday, and she just started crying. She goes, I just want to know him. It was like, wow, she's on to something. Because she was just overtaken by the presence of the Lord. I remember when she first got saved, we were living in California. I come home one, one morning and I'm thinking, she's kind of like, I don't want to use the term, she almost looked like Moses. She was changed. She had this radiance about her and I'm saying, well, what's going on, honey? She goes, I was praying last night and reading and she says, I don't know how to describe it, but it was like this wave came over me. Nobody was in the house. No fanfare, she says it started from my head, went down to my toes, then it went back up again. And I thought, it can be only one or two things. Either that was Jesus, or it's because she's sleeping on a (laughs) waterbed. We had a waterbed in those days, you know, it's like, oh man, a little seasick here. (laughs) You ever had a waterbed, it's like But she was just like so overcome by the presence of the Lord. And that's really what it's about. The shared life is about being being overcome by the presence, by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that glorify one another, that are in love with one another, that are unique in oneness with one another. Listen to some of these passages in John, and this will explain what I just read right here. And by the way, There's more to this term than just what's up on the board, and I may get to some of this, but listen to these terms. But if I do them, even though, speaking about the works, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Speaking of two people right here, the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. It goes on and says, you you all know this one is in John 14 with Philip. Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Powerful statement. Who's ever seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. In John 16 12 it says when the spirit of truth comes. Third person of the Trinity right here when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth. But whatever he hears he will speak. Who's he going to hear it from. Certainly not you and I. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. This is Chad speaking this last week. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. What an awesome statement. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will declare what's going on in their mutual interpenetration of one another. And they'll talk to us about it. That's exciting. And if you think maybe you haven't heard from the Lord in a while, then I challenge you, get in his word. Because that's where the prophetic power of Christ resides, is in God's word. I've heard so much stuff lately that says, all you do is talk about the word. Well, is there anything better? Has anyone seen what's out there right now? It's It's horrible. That they may be all one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, and they also may be in us. There's no other place in the teachings of Jesus that we provide with such a clear window into the divine relationship. From John's prologue to the end, we can see a clear description of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit totally, I mean totally, interpenetrating one another. Because the whole idea is to take fallen man the incarnate son firmly earths himself and takes up residency in our darkness that's liberating that means when you're having a bad day and say i don't think god likes me very much you can say wait a minute he died for me he penetrated adam's darkness that means i'm part of that came down lifts us up, and sets us on that perfect shared relationship with God. This is exciting. Perichoresis, the doctrine of it. I only know a few people that are teaching this, but the ones that are teaching it, my mind is blown every time I start reading some of their stuff because I realize how little I know about God. And yet, God so loved the world, here's a statement right here, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, the father, the son, Two at that point, amen? And here's something you can get even a, a, maybe a, a little bit better understanding what it is. The dynamic quality of the perichoresis trinity is symbolically captured in the vision given to prophet Ezekiel. If you read Ezekiel chapter 1 and 2 and 3, I think, pictures a tripersonal being who's full of energy, life, and love. It speaks of mutuality and relationship or even what has been quoted a community of the divine, a divine community. It has also been called the divine dance. Some of you may have heard this. A polyphony, if you will, peri meaning around and choreo, to go or come, or a rotation within a rotation, where we get the term choreograph. A rotation within a rotation. Now, some people have made kind of a doctrine out of this, which I'm not 100% agreeable with. But when I think about what I just said, I'm sharing this with Lori, has anyone ever watched underwater ballet? Isn't that an exciting sport? Don't you just want to get a gold medal and be part of it? <laughs> huh? But you watch this, and you got, I don't know, 12, 15 people underwater, and they're doing their thing, holding their breath the whole time, or at least it looks like they are. And when they turn, it's like all the legs and feet and everything turn right with the, everyone. And it's just like this perfect, perfect choreographed dance underwater. And it's like when the Father turns, the Spirit turns. When the Son turns, the Father and the Spirit turn. And in Ezekiel, it talks about this wheel within a wheel. This is the most mind-blowing thing. How can a wheel within a wheel, you know, you know with all-seeing eyes, all-knowing, all-powerful, turn in the same direction when you've got two others that seemingly look disconnected or going the other direction? But they're not. They're in perfect unity. A beautiful picture of the body of Christ. You might think, I don't know about that. But it is a description of the body of Christ and the way we're to walk in it. We're not always going to agree with one another. I can't even agree with myself. <laughs> you know, it's, we're not always going to agree with one another. It's just not going to happen. But we share a oneness, do, do we not? A oneness and an eternal oneness. following there a little bit yeah Yeah, it's 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 a difficult concept it really is but it's exciting so the purpose of trinitarian life is the father son and spirit and creation and redemption is to draw us into the relationship their shared life so that we too can experience with them sharing with others that's bringing glory as chad was talking about to christ through the spirit to the father that's the purpose of it now i'm just going to run through some more you guys won't be able to run through this all with me, but I'm going to run through the chapters that describe what I am just talking about. This isn't me. This is what the scriptures here are interpreting, who God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit is. I'm not making this up. I can never make up this up. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundations of the world. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That's one of my favorite verses right here. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Why was it life? Because the incarnate Son reached down from heaven, became fully earth, as I said, completely human, and he took up residency in our darkness. Now, you probably don't have any darkness, right? Nobody, Everybody's... Pretty much perfect, right? Come on. Tell me it's true. One of my, another one of my favorite verses, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly or have it to the full. Not just abundantly, but beyond that, full, complete, 100%. We can experience that right now, today, until the day we die. We can experience that fullness right now. Once we're face-to-face, we'll enter into our eternal fullness. But we can experience the fullness of Christ right now. And here's a quote by Chad. I had to throw it in there just so he can say that. Hey, Chad, he quoted you, man. It says, the Spirit's highest priority is, is the elevating of Christ, drawing all attention to him and his divine accomplishments so that men would believe and have life. It is initiated through Christ. Here's some more scriptures. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. And I put alongside there, Jesus. Jesus quoted that. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. I put Jesus there too alongside that. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, Jesus. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Notice the underline. The Father is seeking. He's after you. You know the song we did last week? He's running after, running after me. Say to yourself, God's after me. God's on my case. God's on my tail. Poor Lord. (laughs) I'll take more of that. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I love that scripture. You did not choose me. I chose you. And I love this. Pointed you that you shall go and bear fruit. And how do you do? How do you bear fruit? By remaining in the relationship. In the vine dresser. Not necessarily talking about going out and evangelizing the world. It means knowing God personally. And in the process of knowing Him, there might be someone He just may put in your path. Imagine that. God put something in your path, my path, and next thing you know, they're swept into the relationship as well. Father, I want in John seventeen twenty. Father, I want those you have given me. Oh, I love this. Father, I want those you have given me. Anybody like super stoked that He chose you? That's such good news. When I got saved, I thought I died and went to heaven. Well, you know what? I did die and go to heaven. (laughs) The idea of creation flows out of the glorious life shared by the Father, Son, and Spirit. The Father, Son, and Spirit created humans so that what they have together could be shared with us so that their great sphere of life could be extended to others. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and save all Westbrook and Portland and every, that's, that's not what I'm saying right now, because I just said that remaining in the vine, remaining in the vine dresser, remaining with God, is the way to understand and hear what God's doing. Not only in your life, but someone he might very well bring into your path to share the gospel. It's the whole idea of Jesus coming, is it not? To love us and love one another, Right? there is our humanity in all this as I've been talking about. Does anybody feel frail right now? I'll raise my hand. I could barely get off that seat to get up here. In fact, Laurie says this morning, you want that stool just in case? I go, what am I? You know, (laughs) am I over the hill? What's going on here? It's marred oh my god i'm i'm a marred person anybody feel marred at times or in maine what is it mad is that what it is say it again oh yeah sorry i'm from the west coast i can't pronounce that stuff and imperfect as it is which is listen to this which is the theater i love this statement by our life is the theater in which the great shared life is played out through the spirit, bringing salvation, adoption, and inclusion. Do you ever feel like an outcast? You're included. But I'm frail and I'm marred and I'm... I keep telling laura you know if i lived in the old testament time you know when they brought the sacrifice had to be unblemished and perfect you know before god (laughs) they would have threw me out (laughs) in the junkyard because there's more things (laughs) wrong with me (laughs) you know there's more things i i I won't go into what those things are but there's a lot of things you know i just wouldn't have made it you know it's like i would have been toast So, we're, we, I want those you have given me. We are definitely redeemed, adopted, sanctified, glorified, included in the eternal purposes of God. As far as the East is from the West, you know that scripture, our sins are gone. We are included in the beloved. We have the first fruits of the spirit. We are included in the divine plan. I'm looking at all of you right now. You're looking at me, but I'm looking at all these faces, and I'm going, God, thank you that you saved these people. And thank you that you saved me. Because as I said a little while ago, I'm very blemished up, and he wouldn't have taken me in, but by his grace, I am what I am, and you're who you are because of that. In John 17, 24, he says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am to see my glory. you possibly want anything else the closest thing to shared life and understanding father son Holy Spirit Trinity is when I look upon my wife she's just beautiful no I'm not trying to get brownie points she just is you know then I look at my daughter Shanna Who is something that is totally amazing to me. Because Lori and I, we really stunk at parents. Well, she did better than I did. You know, when we see the way they turn out. It's like, thank God there's a God. Yeah. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> right? And then she meets Chad. I can't make this stuff up. Now, Chad's pastor in the church. We prayed for a godly man to come into her life. And God heard the prayer. And then they had four kids. One's a tornadic event, constantly. You know who I'm talking about. If you ever sat down and spoke with Jackson, you could see how much of that relationship is in that young man and there's just this perpetual movement that the holy spirit is doing even sometimes when it doesn't seem like anything's going on even if maybe you have you know children of your own that have kind of walked off maybe they're doing their own thing it doesn't mean that god's not doing something with them It is no accident that when the Apostle Paul was grappling with the eternal purposes of God for humanity, he chose the word adoption to describe it. The basic idea of adoption is to include. Turn with me to Galatians 3, if you would. It means that the one who's foreign outside the family circle is drawn in grace and love within the family circle. And the purpose of the act of adoption is so that the outsider can share in family life. The whole mind-boggling act of creation is driven by the desire to share the greatly shared life with us, as Paul was referencing in Romans 8. But it says something really, really amazing in Galatians three. And by the way, this is one book that needs to be seriously looked at again, especially in our day and age. I'm sorry, it's chapter four. I knew it was close. Chapter four, verse four. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, father and the son here, because to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son. Into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, father. So you are no longer slaves, but a son and a daughter. And since you are a son and a daughter, God has made you also here it is, an heir. Mind-blowing. There's no better person that I'd want to be adopted by than God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And some of you maybe have had up, uh, rough upbringings. I know I have. I was abandoned by both parents. One move, you want to know why I'm in Maine? Because my mother moved from San Diego all the way there to Maine like mom why'd you do that could you go somewhere where it's warmer at least leave me for Florida something you know Dominican Republic anywhere where it's warm you know and my, and my dad wasn't around and when I bumped into Christ it was like well this makes sense he won't leave me nor forsake me the scripture says he'll be with us the end of the age correct The coming of God as man, God human word, through the, eternal, through the incarnate Christ, to do for us as a man what we cannot do for ourselves through adoption inclusion, redemption, salvation in him himself through the eternal spirit to the Father. Ultimately, to bring glory to him as Jesus, through the spirit, glorifies Christ. Why would God even bother with us? Sometimes the Trinity isn't really the biggest mystery of all. The biggest mystery is why would God even bother with us? Have you seen human beings lately? Have you seen yourself lately? It's like, eek. I can't go into because Lori knows I blow it all the time, you know. So it's it's adoption. You you follow me on that? It's redemption, it's inclusion, it's sanctification once we receive him, it's redemption, it's glorification, it's justification, declared righteous. And we didn't do anything. We just said yes, Lord. And Lord said, Yes I do. Kinda like when you get married. Well you Jim take Lori's lovely what? You better believe it. Right? And you say, Yes, I do. Kinda like that a marriage. How many know the woman at the well story? Yeah, you like that story? But it's so mind-blowing about that, and I use that a lot when I speak about, you know, the worship life. You talk about a social outcast. Just to show up at a well at noontime can explain a lot of things. And yet, God takes the time to speak to an outcast, Which we've all been an outcast, right? Now we're an incast. I know that the Messiah will come and he'll tell me, you know, he'll tell us all things, what's going on, basically, what she was saying. And he said, I, who you speak with, am he. Reassuring, beautiful, powerful. Words of exhortation, truth, which he's all spoken to us in the same way. And did you know there's tremendous tradition and history about this woman? You do know that she went into the town, and the next day the whole town comes out. Yeah, come see a man. told me everything about my my life. He exposed me. Did you know tradition has it that that woman, a probability, a big probability, led more people to the Lord almost than all the disciples did. She was martyred in Rome by Nero, thrown down in a pit, a well, because of her faith. She was so taken by the relationship that God would reveal himself to her That's how she loved her creator. That he would share his life with her, and then she would go share it with others. And even pay dearly with her own life with it. It's an amazing story. If if you do research on it, you'll, her name was Fotini, which is an interesting name. Fotini, I forget the name what that means, but it's pretty powerful. See, the tendency for Western culture is to think more internally. Our culture is internalized. Jesus is inclusive. We're more, I'm stuck within myself and I can't get myself unstuck. It's preoccupied with self and you know what it's been coined as in our day and age right now? it's been coined as the assumption of separation. There is a huge separation that's going on right now, and and big time, even in the church circles. We We can come in week after week after week and say, you know, God doesn't love me, and God certainly doesn't love you, And God doesn't love that place, and God doesn't love that. It's the biggest mistake as believers that we can make that there's a separation going on. There is a separation in those who don't follow Jesus wholeheartedly. It's one of the fundamental failures of Western Christianity. Moreover, this this assumption necessarily makes our faith a work we do, which anthropocentric means us man in nature that relates and this is really sad it relates to in us an absent Jesus the assumption of separation an absent Jesus we don't think that Jesus is who he says he is we don't think Jesus is walking on the face of the earth through the power of his Holy Spirit guess what he is you want to know why he is? I think I'd be amening on this one. This is, this is one of the reasons why. Furthermore, the culture and the church included on this one. I just want to throw this out here to you because there's so much jargon and garbage going on. In the church culture today, I'm not saying we have it together because we don't. That separation spills out onto people who go into cultish things, practices, not understanding God's word, taking it out of context the way it was meant to be, claiming to be self prophets. I watched something the other night. I wish I didn't watch it because I knew it was coming how people were just bringing their gifts and everything to one person and worshiping this person. And I thought, I don't even get this. And the person was receiving it. A human being, a mere human, bringing all kinds of gifts, and they were just like, I worship you, and I thank you for what you're doing in life. And I'm just like, this person needs to be rebuked. It's happening, it's happening in, in and here, it's been called, and I, this term is really amazing, is that the Western culture is suffering from a major, massive identity crisis. It's massive, in epic proportions. Why? Because technology is the god of our age right now. That is one of the main reasons why. Social media is the new enlightenment of reasoning. And entertainment and politicians are where our faith and hope reside in. The very thing we chase after in life and end up becoming the very things that ensnare us. How do we safeguard ourselves from this stuff? There are Christian believers who who think that certain candidates are who Jesus is picking. That has nothing to do with it. This has everything to trump that over all that stuff. Oh, I might have used the word but I had no that No, no, don't even go there. (laughs) I just happened to use a word. I mean, think about this for a moment. What if your phones were taken away from you? Think about this question. Would there be pandemonium? You know some of those futuristic films where the electricity goes out? There's pandemonium because oh my god, I don't have my phone anymore. I don't have my I don't have my smartphone, stupid phone. You know, I don't I don't have my computer. I I, I don't have this and I don't have that. Could we could we function, do you think? I really hit a good one on that one, didn't I? Right? May I just encourage everybody today, read your Bibles, study your Bibles, and see how much God really is involved in some of the most minute details of your life. Get in it to not get something out of it, get in it to meet God. God. Whether you read a couple paragraphs a day or a hundred chapters a day like I do. You're not going to believe that, are you? I'm just kidding. (laughs) You know, get get into your word. Go back into it. You know, I've heard some people talk to me and say, you know, you're kind of word heavy, aren't you? Is there anything else to go about you? There's people out there, I'm telling you, all you got to do is just, Get on your phones. You know, everything's at the speed of light now. There's people that are professing to be prophet this, prophet that. It's like there is no profiteers or prophets or, you know, major healing. Jesus is our healer. Jesus is the fulfillment of the canon. You can't add to it. People are adding to the word. The spirit declares, you know, to watch out for people that do this kind of stuff because they're what's called false gods, false little antichrists that run around with these, these truth, half-truths that look like truth, but they're not. You guys know that. And the way, the way to combat this is to get in the Lord's word and understand that God desires a relationship with us, a shared life with us. And it's exciting, it isn't boring, it's powerful, exciting, liberating, and the word says that those who seek me will find me. Amen? Amen. All right, let's all stand.